critical all the time, never has anything positive to say, always sees what is wrong with something. And you know how that makes you feel. You know how that hurts you and how that really deadens your spirit and your own thankfulness. In fact, it can zap you of all creativity. Maybe you are in a workplace where you have someone who is like this and you're like, man, I just can't perform well and exercise and utilize my own creativity because of this negative attitude, this one person in my life that just brings me down all the time because all they do is focus on what's wrong. They never speak anything affirming. They're just very quick to be critical. That takes our creativity from us. It also robs us of our joy, and it is a poison in the church. It is a poison. So I hope that you're not part of the poison today. If you are, take the vaccination of Scripture this morning and let it change your heart, okay? That's one vaccination we can all agree on, right? Can I hear an amen or something? A critical spirit dwells on the negative, looks for flaws rather than positive qualities in others. They are constantly complaining or criticizing and usually upset with something or somebody. They often have little control over their tongue, their temper, and they also have tendencies for gossip, slander, strife, and malice. These are, of course, some of the, of the sins that are spoken of by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, verses 29 to 32. None of these things have a place in the life of a believer. A critical spirit can be very detrimental and damaging to a person's personal faith or to the health and vitality of a local congregation. Over time, if left unchecked, it prevents us from seeing, appreciating, and enjoying all that's truly good, all that God is actively doing. It is the exact opposite of wearing rose-colored glasses. A critical spirit is like putting on sunglasses when the day is full of clouds, something we in Western Michigan know about, don't we? Everything in life begins to take on a dark, drab hue. The critical person comes to expect, even to hope, that everything will have something wrong with it. Taken to the extreme, a critical person can assume the role of the devil's advocate. One's very identity can be marked by this need for negativity. But critical people aren't just hurting themselves. They are also negatively affecting others as well. Those who are critical have some characteristics. I'm going to give you some of those. These are free. You can write them in the margins there if you have space, some white space today. But these are some things that characterize one who has a critical spirit you may have one or some or hopefully not, but you could have all of these, I suppose. But I want you to do a self-inventory and a self-check today. First of all, a critical person who is unthankful, they are impossible to feel, it's impossible for them to feel satisfaction or fulfillment because they always see what's wrong. And what's sad is a lot of times these people are going to do this with the veil or under the guise of pursuing excellence. And they might even spiritualize it. 
Well, God deserves our best, and so we're just going to nitpick and find everything wrong with everybody and everything because we want to be pleasing to God. Those are the most dangerous kinds of critical people because they actually come off as being spiritual when in reality, God isn't within 10 miles of that, okay? He knows we're not perfect. He doesn't even ask us to be perfect, but he does want us to be joyful. He does want us to be thankful. He does want us to be affirming in the lives of others, even if they are broken and imperfect. You see, our gratitude and affirmation in the lives of others should not depend upon how well they perform. That is foreign in our relationship to God. Why should we bring that into our relationship with other people? It just doesn't make sense. If we are going to love them as God has loved us, we must master this. And their performance should not determine whether or not we are thankful for them or affirming of them instead of being critical to them. But the one who's unthankful, who has this critical spirit, it's impossible for them to get past this, at least seemingly impossible, without radical heart change. Unthankful, critical people also can be envious, can't they? That could be part of what is motivating and driving them to be critical and unthankful. They're more concerned with what they don't have rather than what they do have. They're more concerned with what people don't do in their performance as opposed to what they are doing that contributes to the greater good of the church body. Envious. Thirdly, these tend to be bitter people too. And I just want to talk to you about this for a couple of seconds because it, it's critical and important for us to think in our past and to deal maybe with some things that, that are in our past. Um, someone this morning said to me, I have a past. And I said, you're in a great place because everybody in here today has a past, right? We all know there's some things back there that, that we just need a lot of grace for, right? Amen to that. But if those things haven't been managed well, if those things haven't been met with theological truth, the foundational truth of Scripture, what can happen to us as a result of trauma or difficult or damaging things in our past? What can happen to us? We can become bitter, can't we? And that bitterness can drive us to be unthankful. That bitterness can drive us to be critical. Let's say in our past a man hurt us in some way, and I'm speaking of gender here. A particular individual who was a man hurt us in some way. If that hurt, trauma, difficulty, challenge isn't dealt with properly and biblically, that could cause a, a distorted view of all men in the present and even in the future, couldn't it? Absolutely. We don't trust men because it was a man who hurt me. We can't love men because it was a man who hurt me. We, we can't properly relate to men because it was a man who hurt me. And that bitterness fuels that kind of distorted view of people in our present and even in our future, making it impossible for us to relate to them in a way that God wants us to. Now, we do not want to minimize or demean the hurt in your past. That's not the point here. You may have something very serious to deal with in your past because a man hurt you. I want to encourage you that there's hope and that there's help in this. There's hope for you and there's help in this. 
And you can certainly manage that well, respond to that well, and have victory moving forward. But my encouragement to you today is just don't allow it to force you to become bitter and to have a distorted view of people moving forward. That is a horrible way to live. Now, that's just one example. You probably can think of better examples than that that help us to see how we can become bitter toward others and critical by not properly managing, dealing with, responding to things in our past. Be careful of that. Guard your heart and be encouraged today. If you're in that place, this isn't meant to be critical of you or, or to beat you down. It's meant to encourage you. There is hope and help in Jesus. There is hope and help in the scripture. And you can overcome and be victorious over anything, no matter how difficult or hurtful it has been from your past. And I just want to encourage you too, if you're struggling with that, seek help today. Talk to somebody who can help you, who can walk with you in your journey through that, and who can help you have victory over it because there certainly is enough power in the grace of God to give you victory in those areas. The fourth thing that unthankful, critical people seem to share is that they often feel entitled, right? We, we, there's a lot of talk about that lately, isn't there? Entitlement, this, this culture of entitlement. People feel like they're entitled to have certain things and if they don't get those things, they're not very happy, they're not very joyful, they're, they become critical, they become cynical perhaps, and they just want everything that they feel that they're entitled to. If we bring that into the theological world, right, all of us here today have a whole lot more than we deserve, and we are entitled to nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. If God didn't do one more good thing for us, we know he will, but if he didn't do one more good thing for us, we'd still have more than we deserve. We are entitled to nothing. Don't have an entitlement attitude in your own life and certainly don't allow it to grow. Don't foster it or nurture it in the lives of your children or those in your family. Kill entitlement. Number five, these kinds of people find it difficult to genuinely care about other people. They care more about someone's performance than they do the person. They care more about fixing the problem than they do mentoring the person. It's not about people to them. It's about what is wrong with those people. And so they're critical. They don't have gratitude or thankfulness for those people. And they're always on the lookout for what is wrong and to point out the mistakes of others. Why? Because they don't really care for people. So be careful. Don't let that be your attitude. And finally... If they don't need anything from you, they probably will not have time for you either because they're not going to form deep relationships with you. They're not interested in that. They'll point out what's wrong with you, but they're not interested in relating well to you. So if you don't have anything to offer them, they will pass you over and find someone else who can give them what they want. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. That is poison. Now, as challenging and as negative as all of that sounds, I want to shift gears and I want to talk to you positively. We want to talk about thankfulness and gratitude today, this product of the Holy Spirit. A heart controlled by the Holy Spirit is grateful. The gene of gratitude is in the DNA of a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
Once the Spirit of God vaccinates the soul with gratitude, it prevents the virus of discontentment and complaining to control a life. Gone is murmuring. It is replaced with an appreciative attitude that is both helpful and hopeful. So I want to spend our time now talking to you about why all of us as, as believers, those of us who are believers, should be thankful. And we have a checklist here. We have a long list of things that I hope will be encouraging to you. We're going to look at scriptures for each of these. Why should we be thankful? Well, the first reason that we should all be thankful is because it truly glorifies God. We come to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we want to look here at verse 15. Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so that grace extended through more and more people may cause thanksgiving to do what? What does thanksgiving do? To increase to God's glory. So all of these things, Paul's talking about the benefits of grace to the Corinthian church. We experience that same grace from God even now, although not in the exact same context. We still experience the grace of God. It's extended through more and more people. As we understand and know and experience God's grace ourselves. We communicate to other people. We, we follow suit with Matthew 28, where we're interested in and heavily invested in making disciples. And we talk about God's grace with other people. They know God's grace. They believe in Jesus for salvation from their sins. They experience God's grace in the most profound way. And what happens as a result of this cycle of, of God's grace and us being thankful for it and investing it in other people? God is glorified. So the next time you're tempted to be critical, complain, or murmur about something, replace that by focusing on something for which to be thankful and thereby glorify God. And realize that that pathetic attitude that causes you to be critical, cynical, murmuring, and complaining all the time by focusing on what is wrong really paints a distorted picture of who God is. And it really is inconsistent. It doesn't belong in the life of a believer. Exactly the opposite does. So it glorifies God. Secondly, this type of thing as we cultivate it in our lives allowing the Spirit to work it out in us, does help us to see God, appreciate our Father, and value Him. Look at James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With Him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. You see, we will incorporate this perspective and we will have this idea of who God is as we are thankful for what God has done. Thankfulness helps us to focus on the Father who is the giver of all of these generous acts and all of these perfect gifts. And as we focus on that and we understand that it comes from God, we see him more perfectly, we experience him more fully, and we are to, able to show him more accurately to a world that has a lot of questions about him. Maybe a lot of doubts about him. Maybe a lot of, of ill-informed ideas about who God is. You ever get the question recently, if God was so good and in control, then how could he allow everything that's happening in Ukraine right now? 
I've had that question asked to me. Maybe you've had similar questions asked to you. There, there are ill-informed ideas about the goodness of God. As we cultivate a thankfulness in our heart and we remember where all of these good and perfect and generous things come from, we know our God better. We see him more clearly. And our perspective of who he is remains accurate so that our lives project an accurate image of him as well. The world needs it. The church needs it too. We probably have found ourselves in times and places where we have doubted this very thing because of difficulties and challenges in our life. See God clearly. Understand, know, and firmly believe, regardless of what is happening, that he gives generous acts and perfect gifts from above to his children. Bask in his goodness. Don't ever doubt it. Next of all, by being thankful, it does place us squarely and confidently in God's will. In fact, the Bible tells us that. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Everybody talks about finding God's will. What is God's will for you? Well, there are some very clear things in Scripture that just identify for us what his will is for believers. This is one of those things. Give thanks in everything. Can I just be transparent with you today? Is that okay? I know I struggle with that, but I'm going to try to do better today. I've got two vehicles that have to go in the body shop, okay? And I've just been really struggling with being thankful for that. I just, I just really have been struggling with that. And I've been trying to see the good in that, you know? I've been trying to, one of the things, we don't even know how it happened uh, to, to one of the vehicles. The other, we hit Bambi, okay? So, but it still did some damage. And, uh, here we are, two, two things. I'm looking at that. And at first, and honestly, the only thing that I could think about, really, was two $500 deductibles. I'll just be honest with you. It's $1,000. Can you believe this? $1,000, right? So I'm looking at this. And I'm just going, wow, what a, what a mess this is. And I just began to kind of just kind of marinate in that. It affected me. I wasn't really the happiest person. Probably wasn't the, the best person to be around at the, in those moments either. If you want to know the real bare-knuckle truth, talk to Stephen and Lori after the service. They'll be really happy, I'm sure, to fill you in. Thankfulness. But you know, aren't there more important things in life than pieces of sheet metal that have rubber tires on them that have combustible engines? or I guess electric nowadays. Of course there are. There are things more important. There's health and wholeness, right? No one in our family was hurt whatsoever. Again, every time something happens to my truck, I just think God's trying to teach me a lesson about idolatry. I just, I do because in a very stupid way, there are days when I probably worship my truck. I just love my truck. And so it becomes a treasure to me in a way that it should not. And God's like, you know what? I'm going to ding this thing again just to teach you a lesson. That's okay. It, 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 well, it's not quite okay yet, but it's getting more okay. It's getting more okay. You know, it just is. I really don't care about the van in the same way. I'll have to be honest. 
But you know, we have to, we have to go beyond the, the powerfully present negative first reaction that we have when really in the grand scheme of things, silly things like that happen, right? And we have to drive down deep in the character and nature and essence of who God is and realize that there is a ton for which to be thankful. But many of us get hung up in the stupid little things and we can't get past them. We can't get past them and they become big things. They become things that hurt other people, that harm relationships, and that make it impossible for us to even make disciples, if you think about it. So be in God's will. You know, if you're like me, stop it. <laughs> Just stop it and grow and apply the grace of Jesus. You know, if we learn this, it also brings us peace too. Look at Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Oh, that's a difficult one. But in everything through prayer and petition with what church? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. What happens as a result of this attitude that, that is just soaked in thankfulness? The peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God comes as a result of thankfulness. A thankfulness that envelops our prayer life as we make petition to God, even in the most desperate times, we're still thankful. And what happens? Peace from God that defies human definition and explanation is our guard. The mind and the heart are safest when thankfulness lives in them. So let us be peaceful through this. Let us see the benefit of not being critical, complaining, murmuring people but rather thankful. You know, it also draws us to God. We have, a, we have a great story that happens in Luke, don't we? We have this narrative that tells us that Jesus heals 10 who were infected with leprosy. And it was thankfulness that did what to one of them? Drew them back to Jesus. Thankfulness draws us to Jesus, doesn't it? Look here in Luke 17. Then Jesus said, we're not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Draws us back to Jesus. You find that happening in your life when you know that you're living in thankfulness and gratitude. You feel closer to God. You're spending more time with him. The time that you do spend with him is most meaningful because your heart is right with him. You're in fellowship with him. You're not angry or upset with him because you're, you're, you're complaining or being critical, but you're rejoicing because you're thankful for who he is and what he has done, and you're enjoying his presence. Thankfulness does that for us. It draws us in close and indeed makes us thankful for what God has done. I can't imagine being healed of leprosy and not being thankful for it. You know, one of the really cool things that happened, and I think it was even mentioned in that service, but do you remember when the porters were here and they're kind of on their farewell tour, they're retiring from mission work after being so faithful, and one of the things that they shared leading up to us scheduling that time and then I think they even shared it while they were here 
if I remember correctly to you, but they wanted to be like this leper who returned to Jesus and just said thank you because they realized the heavy investment that had been made in them through Jenison Bible Church and through so many other churches that made it possible for them to serve God and to advance the gospel through dentistry and discipleship. And they just wanted to say thank you. And that's why they were doing this. There aren't a whole lot of missionaries who are going to do that after so many years on the field. Most of them are ready to be done with traveling, just frankly. And I understand that. I, I totally get that. But they decided to go the extra mile and express gratitude to all of their supporting churches, as I understand it, if I understand the story correctly. Wow. Wow. It's a beautiful thing. I, that's one of the highlights, I think, of this year that we've had together is just hearing that story and sharing in their thankfulness because they had a heart full of gratitude. What an example. Don't forget that example that they showed us. What a beautiful thing. You know, thankfulness also brings contentment, doesn't it? It's hard to lack contentment when you're thankful for everything. First Timothy 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, if we, if we have what we need, be content with these. That's thankfulness. Thankful for what you have, not focusing on what you don't have. Rejoicing in the generous acts of God toward you. Rejoicing in the good gifts that the Father has given to you and not worrying about what he hasn't given to you that maybe you see in the lives of other people. Thankfulness helps us to be content. If we're thankful for the, for the things, the needs in life that God gives to us and just the basic things of food and clothing, we will develop a thankful heart. We'll be content with what he has given. We won't be drawn away into living for material things, but we'll be content. We need to guard our hearts here Paul also wrote to Timothy, didn't he, that the, the love of money is the root of, the scripture says, the root of all kinds of evil. Be careful of that. Guard your heart. Be content. Don't chase after things that cannot give you satisfaction and fulfillment. Find that in Jesus and be thankful for what he has given you. Next of all, thankfulness will deepen our faith as well. Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He is trustworthy. His love is eternal. This is coming from a heart that had faith and trust in God. Even in a difficult time, we can utter a statement like this and believe it and know that it's true. We're trusting God that when things are seemingly bad in our life, difficult, challenging, hurtful, he is good. That never changes. And as we are thankful for what is going on in our life regardless, and we develop the perspective of God that he is good even when situations aren't from a human perspective, it will deepen our trust and our faith. How many people, though, in those times who failed to remain steadfast in their belief in the goodness of God became shipwrecked. Do you know anybody like that? Someone because life got so hard and they doubted the goodness of God during that time that just kind of walked or drifted away. 
It happens far too often, doesn't it? But just think of how different that situation would be if someone developed thankfulness in everything and allowed it to deepen their faith and trust in God that he is good all the time. A completely different result happens because of that deep faith. Thankfulness also leads us to joy, doesn't it? Psalm 126, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouths were filled with laughter then and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord had done great things for us. We were joyful. They were thankful for the great things that God had done and truly it produced joy. Joy accompanies thankfulness. You can't have joy if you're not thankful. And if you are thankful, you will have joy. Next of all, thankfulness also defies Satan's lies. What do I mean by that? Let's look at Psalm 84.1 and then make a connection. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. What is one of Satan's lies to us? What was one of those lies that he spoke so clearly and enunciated so convincingly in the garden with Adam and Eve? You don't want to confine yourself to God's rules. And the reason you don't want to confine yourself to God's rules is because he is really withholding some great things from you. Just think of all you could have if you just ate this fruit. A thankful heart that is content with God defies Satan's lie. The lie is that God does withhold good from us. We defy that lie by being thankful and content with who God is and what he has given. He truly is our sun and shield. He truly gives grace and glory, and he truly does not withhold those good things from us as his people. He gives them freely to us. Thankfulness defies Satan's lies. It also, next of all, guards us against envy too, doesn't it? We can't be envious whenever we're thankful for what we have. We're not worried about what others have. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Again, Psalm 138, it is truly a blessing and an honor for us to know God and an honor for us to, to live with him and experience his provision and we are not envious when we see what we have and what others have. We're not focused on the good things that others have because we know that God has given us every good thing that he intended for us to have. He has given someone else every good thing that he intended for them to have. And truly not something for which we should desire, but being thankful. Thankfulness is also a testimony. Psalm 105, verse 1. Give thanks to Yahweh. Call on his name. In this thanksgiving, call on his name and do what else? Proclaim his deeds among the people. A heart that lacks gratitude isn't out there talking about the deeds of God among the nations and showing God to those nations. No, it's not a testimonial at all, but a thankful heart is Finally, and I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking to you 
about this. As we are thankful, I want us to really think about now and even moving on into the next year that thankfulness can be a motivating factor to us to heavily invest in God's agenda for advancing gospel and making disciples. Surely, we are all familiar with what Jesus said to his disciples before he left them. I just want to take a couple of minutes to focus on this, and this is one way that we can make application of everything that we've been talking about today. Jesus came near, said to them here in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. What does it take to do that on a corporate level? Well, it takes a lot of different kinds of resources, doesn't it? A lot of different kinds of resources. And I just want to spend some time in talking with you about some stewardship matters as we're here together as a faith community this morning. I'm going to begin the new year in a little different way than was originally planned. Uh, we will return to our Holy Spirit series uh, in time, but I want to take the whole month of January and talk to all of us about our stewardship and, and to make sure that we are investing uh, through everything that God's given us in all the ways that we possibly can in advancing the gospel and making disciples. And the reason that we're going to talk about this is because it has become a very powerful and popular trend in the modern church today that we show up on Sundays, whether it's 8.30 or 11, we gather one time a week, and we disperse after that, and uh, that's about all we do in many cases. A lot of people in the modern church are just doing their once-a-week quota of being with the faith community, and then not really involved in any other way, whether it's through their finances or serving. And so I want to address that same motivating factor of why we started looking at these messages on Bible doctrines, because there was an issue in the church with, with understanding, generally speaking. And, and I see this as a problem in the modern church too. And I want us to be a faith community that does more than just attends one service a week. I want us to be heavily invested in every way possible to making disciples together and advancing the gospel.